when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there if he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is uh, Colby Patnode and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how you doing today? Uh, you know, I, I can only hear out of one ear right now, but you know, other than that, we're doing all right. <laughs> so yeah, you know, nothing major. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm dealing with about 18 inches of snow outside, so, uh, yeah. It's, do, you, uh, do you have enough bread? <laughs> uh, fortunately, the roads have cleared off um, pretty good, um, and I've stayed on top of the uh, the driveway shoveling, so I can go out and get bread if I need it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, geez louise, the bread apocalypse of 2019, I guess, uh, I just... Yeah, the picks that were coming into Hawk Blogger and uh, some of the other uh, some of the other Seattleites that I that I follow uh, of the stores that have basically gotten raided like, over the yeah. last week were uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, they were. Uh, fortunately, over here in uh, Central Washington, where we get snow a little more often, so we're a little more prepared uh, than Seattle is. So it hasn't been too bad, um, at least not for me, but. Uh, yeah. You know, it is it is just uh, kind of depressing to look at after a while. But fortunately for us, the Mariners have uh, pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training, um, so there are boots in the ground in Peoria. And I mean, we're looking at it from our recording right now. I think the Mariners' first spring training game is in eight days. So I mean, we're we're in the home stretch here. Uh, just one more week to go. And then I think the first televised game is on the 22nd um, on Root Sports. And so, yeah, we're not that far from having Mariners baseball on the television. That's 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 uplifting. Yeah, I'm going to have to buy MLB TV this week. Uh, that's right. Seeing as how you're Canadian and all. Uh, <laughs> so well, at, least, anyway. at least I can still use my student discount. There you go. Boom. So uh, anyways, on today's podcast, guys, we're going to talk about um, the outfield. Uh, last week, last week's show, we talked about the infield in depth. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the outfield. There's not a whole lot out there, um, or there's not a lot to really talk about with the outfield, but we'll go ahead and we'll preview that, look at who is, uh, who is going to uh, be on the uh, opening day roster and how that all plays out, um, and also look at a few guys who are uh, close to major league ready or could contribute at some point this year. Um, and then after that, we have some questions from you guys, uh, that we will get to, um, but before both of those things, uh, fan released their top 130, I think is the final number. 132. <laughs> yeah. 130. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, pros- they basically, they, instead of doing a traditional top 100, they just, uh, rank everyone that has a 50 future value grade. Mm-hmm. And then they cut it off after that point, right? And that ended up being 132 names. Uh huh. And coming in at the last spot is Shed Long. There you go. So uh, the Mariners had six names inside that top 132, uh, five names inside the top 100, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and uh, I also saw a report that uh, Baseball America has the Mariners farm system ranked 14th. I think. 15th like yeah, top 14th. half of the league so i mean real quick ty what are your thoughts on the the fan graph rankings um they were the only uh ranking site we've seen so far that put evan white into their top 100 um mm-hmm. and other than that it's pretty much the guys you would expect right it's sheffield clinic uh white kikuchi um dunn and then shed long so uh what did you think yeah uh couple takeaways a uh, little surprised that jared kelnick was so low he came in at 84 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's by far the lowest that I've seen for him uh, in any list. Uh, right. So a little surprised by that. Uh, also surprised that Julio Rodriguez did not make it because uh, Fangraph seems to be pretty high on him. Uh, they've written about him before, very positive about him. Um, he was able to get up to a 45 future value grade by the end of the year. Thought that would end up getting boosted to a 50 over the offseason, but uh, not yet, it appears. But I figure that'll happen relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the two takeaways. The uh, Everything else pretty much went as expected. Uh, I'm surprised that Shed Long uh, stayed at a 50 feature value grade uh, and made the list. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's pretty much as expected. Uh, good to see Evan White uh, get into the top 100. Well-deserved recognition for someone who's probably the best defensive first base prospect uh, in baseball by far, um, and uh, someone that put you know together a great year at the plate as well uh, last year. So, so congratulations to Evan White on that, and uh, well deserved. Yeah, uh, Fangraphs is a pretty good uh, scouting service. Um, I know most of our listeners probably use MLB Pipeline, um, and that's fine. Uh, but just you know, standard disclaimer here. Any prospect ranks, including the ones that are going up on our website, uh, sotomojo.com, always be plugging. Um, they're all a matter of opinion, and they're all subjective, and honestly, they're all interchangeable, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, people see different things when they watch different players. People look for different things. It's just part of the process. So, uh, you know, when you look at like a guy like Kalenic, who's ranked 80 what? In Fangraphs, what, 83? What's that? Uh, Kalenic's ranked, what, 83rd in Fangraphs? 84th, yeah. 84th, right. And I think Keith Law has him, like, just outside his top 50. I mean, the the difference between the number 50 prospect and the number 80-whatever prospect isn't that big. So, I mean, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. But it is just nice to see the Mariners get some recognition. And uh, it is nice to to know that the farm system is uh, is improving. There's really no denying that whatsoever. So uh, it was just interesting to see the Mariners get some love on a uh, on a pretty good uh, prospect page, uh, Fangraphs. So, uh, yeah, you, fans should be excited about that. Yeah. They really should. All right, so let's go ahead and let's dive right on, into our outfield preview. Um, as I mentioned last week, we handled the infield, so if you want to – Listen to our thoughts on uh, everything from the catcher around the horn to third base. Go ahead, go ahead and listen to last week's episode. Uh, but now let's talk about the outfield. And I guess Ty, we'll just start with you know the most obvious uh, thing. How awesome is Mitch Haniger? Pretty awesome. Pretty yeah. pretty damn awesome. All right, so I guess we'll move on to center field. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't know. I not not to take shots at any of our uh, websites on fan sided. Uh, but did you see uh, the Rangers oh, yes, I saw. Try, trying to put Nomar Mazzara in the same category as Mitch Haniger? The the thing that I would ask that person was, didn't you trade Nomar Mazzara for Matt Duffy in our simulation? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, a uh, very good point. I just, I, I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of. <laughs> Um, yes, I, it, I I was I was I was very much aware of of that conversation yesterday. Yeah, it uh, it ended quickly since I wasn't going to waste my time with that. Uh, but yeah, that that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Mitch Haniger is one of the five best right fielders in baseball, and Nomar Mazzara is mediocre. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's replacement level. So yeah, you know, very similar players really. Um, especially since Mazar is only 23. And I mean, as we all know, that matters. Um, I just, whatever. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So Mitch Hanniger is going to be the right fielder. He's going to be probably the backup center fielder and he's going to hit in one of the first three spots in the lineup. And we all knew that. So I guess we'll just move along to center field. Um, well, I, I would like to ask you, where do you prefer him hitting? Um, well, you know, as 
as many people might remember about me in particular, I'm a fan of using your best hitter second. Um, last year, I wrote an article that the Mariners should have hit him leadoff. And then, you know, shockingly, later that day, the Mariners, they put him at the leadoff spot. And I think his first at bat, didn't he crush a home run off of Verlander? Yeah, he went four for four in that game, I believe. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I, I, you know, lineup construction is one of those things that's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of theories on it. Anywhere in the top three is okay with me, but I would prefer first or second. Um, and seeing as Malik Smith is a pretty good on-base guy himself, I guess I'd probably hit Hanniger second, but anywhere in that top three is uh, probably fine. But I would prefer first or second. Yeah, I would, um, I'd probably stick with leadoff. I mm-hmm. I really like Hanager in that leadoff spot. Keep you know gets on base a lot. Obviously, Malix does too, but I think I trust Hanager a little bit more. But that's also because there's a lot of unfamiliarity there with uh, with Malix, and right. that and that opinion might change. But uh, right now, I'd probably go Hanager one. Sure. Um, if I had to like bet money on it, I would say Hanager probably ends up hitting third. Um, I, I think they'll like the idea of having Malik Smith possibly on base ahead of Hanniger and then having, uh, right now Encarnacion behind Hanniger as like protection. Cause I think service still believes in that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but, but who knows? I mean, we'll see. So who do you think hits number two? I know we're talking about outfield, but just real quick. Yeah. Um, so assuming- I have a name. That's a little but, unorthodox. Assuming Malik Smith is the leadoff guy and Hanniger's hitting three. Um, at number two, hmm, it, you know, there's a lot of good options there. I think against uh, left-handed pitching, I would probably hit Domingo Santana second. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I, I think against a righty, I might hit Kyle Seeger. Uh, but also if you want like a dark horse name, I mean, why not Omar Narvaez? That's the guy what gets I was, on that was the name that I was going to say. Yeah. The guy gets on base a lot. Um, yeah. so I don't know. I, I, Narvaez, I guess maybe you don't want to clog the lineup with below average speed, but really you look at all the other options at two, unless you're going to hit D Gordon second, which no, <laughs> I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no real other option. So, I mean, I think I'd probably go Santana against the lefty and again against a righty, maybe Seeger in an attempt to kind of jumpstart him or whatever. But yeah, I think Narvaez is a good, uh, is a good dark horse for that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and let's move on to uh center field then. Um, as we've already talked about him, uh, Malik Smith, figures to be the everyday center fielder. Um, certainly get most of the work out there. Uh, so, Ty, what do you think we can expect from Alex Smith in center? Um, I think you'll you'll see um, quite a lot of what Mariners center fielders have brought in the past. A lot of flashiness, a lot of swag. You know, you think about Leonis Martin, Franklin Gutierrez, um, and now bringing in Malik's... Malik's um, isn't the most defensively inclined center fielder. He's a good center fielder, but he's not, he's probably not going to win you a gold glove. It's about but, league average, I would say. Yeah. But the, uh, you know, the Mariners brought him in because he keeps things going on the base pass. He gets on base. He's not like D Gordon. He can actually take a pitch every now and then. <laughs> and, sure. uh, you know, he keeps things going. He keeps things exciting on the base pass. Um, has some sneaky gap-to-gap power that I think a lot of people don't talk about. Um, can really drive a ball out there, and it, it's kind of surprising for someone of his size. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about what Malik's can bring. Um, assuming, especially assuming that that will be from the top of the lineup. I think for a while now, uh, Jerry Depoto has tried to get that guy. To sit at the top of their at the top of their lineup, and they've kind of had glimpses of how that would uh, of how that would look uh, successfully, but haven't gotten consistent production out of the leadoff spot for some time now, um, and you know have had to put guys up there like Gene Segura and and, and Mitch Haniger, who 
they believe better fits elsewhere in their lineup. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully this is uh, this is their guy. Hopefully the, they finally found their guy to um, submit himself into that leadoff role uh, and um, run with it. Literally. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and I mean, yeah. like anything's going to be better than the center field production you got last year out of Cam Mabin and, and sure. Guillermo Heredia and, and D Gordon. So, uh, yeah. you, you assume that your center field position is going to be a, a lot more productive than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and also having that consistency of who's playing there is going to help a lot. So, uh, it's, it's nice. It's, it's exciting to have. Sure. And I, I think naturally there are, there's a large group of people who are wondering if last year's Malik Smith is kind of the real Malik Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a fair question because last year you look at, I mean, last year he slugged 406, which isn't a huge number. Um, but when you consider that in 2017, he slugged 355. Uh, 2016, it was 365. His on-base percentage also dro- uh, jumped about 40 points. Um, so, you know, how much of that is legit? How much isn't? How much of that is a career year versus this is just the new norm? Uh, but, yeah, I think... You know, even if Malik Smith is not the guy he was last year, I think he's still an upgrade in center field um, over everybody you threw out there last year. Um, on the you know on the rare exceptions when uh, Mitch Haniger would play center field, but he's going to be a better defender out there. Um, you know, he he takes walks. It's, you know, eight percent walk rate pretty much uh, every year. He's not going to strike out a ton. Um, you know, 20% career strikeout rate, that's a little bit below average. Um, he's going to steal bases. We know all this. And you mentioned the sneaky gap-to-gap power. Uh, do you know how many extra base hits he had last year? Doubles, triples, home runs? Not sure. 39. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that includes uh, 27 doubles and 10 triples Correct. to go with his yeah. uh, two home runs. And yeah. I can't remember. One of those was, was against the Mariners, I believe. Right. I was trying to, I can't remember if it was this year or last year. He hit a home run off of Felix Hernandez um, in Tropicana. I, I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but I know Malik Smith did that. Um, and, it was, and it like barely got over the wall. I think they had, yeah, to re- it, they had to review it cause it hit like off a railing that was just behind the wall and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, Malik Smith is, he's an upgrade in center field. He's a guy I'm really excited to watch. Um, and I mean, yeah, I, I think I think it's pretty set in stone that he's the guy in center. Um, if he needs a day, uh, my guess is that Mitch Haniger just slides over and handles center field for a day. Um, and if he needs more than a day, if he's headed to the DL and somebody like, I don't know, Jay Bruce is also on the DL, then I think the only other outfielder on the roster that can handle center field is Braden Bishop, right? Correct. Yeah. So right now, Braden Bishop is basically the backup center fielder. Um, so you know, maybe the Mariners should go go ahead and add a veteran on a minor league deal or something, just to be safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. But well, uh, you know, there's always Dustin Ackley to come and save the day. Uh, the Ack attack. The Ack attack. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, might as well just give Ian Miller a shot then. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, let's slide over to left field. Um, this is really the only outfield spot that's up for any kind of, uh, debate or grabs or whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, two guys in the out in left field right now going to battle it out. Domingo Santana and Jay Bruce. So, uh, Ty, how do you see that playing out? Um, well, considering that Bruce, uh, well, Bruce is kind of interesting because he can play both first base and the corner outfield spots, specifically left field. Um, and he's going to get some significant time at, at first base, I believe. You know, we looked at that uh, last week when we talked about the infield, and I think that's going to allow Domingo Santana to get more playing time. I believe that it will be somewhat of a, of a platoon, but not a traditional platoon necessarily i don't i don't think it'll be straight up 
just whenever there's a there's a lefty on the mound, it's going to be Santana. Whenever there's a righty on the mound, it's going to be Bruce. I think um, you'll see some of that, but you'll also just see Santana playing in left field when Bruce plays first base. Um, yeah, I, I think I think both guys will get equal playing time um, throughout the season. I hopefully Santana gets more playing time than Bruce, but Bruce does need. Uh, the experience to to um, you know build his trade value because you you do want to try and get something for him, but also try and get as much money off of his deal as possible off of your books. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it'll be somewhat of a platoon, but Santana playing the majority of left field and Bruce playing a, a a decent amount of first base at least yeah i don't i don't think it makes sense for the mariners to essentially bench domingo santana um but yeah they are they are in an awkward spot because you need to play jay bruce enough that he could potentially raise his trade value but also he's not a part of your future um and there's a chance Domingo Santana is. Um, so, yeah, I it'll be interesting to see how they, they mix that up. Um, you know, a lot of teams with bigger log jams than this find a way to get guys enough playing time. Uh, so it's not – I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. It's definitely something we're going to have to watch. Uh, but I expect the primary outfield on any given night to be Domingo Santana, Malik Smith, and Mitch Hanniger. Um you want to give Malik Smith a day, you move Hanniger to center, you move Santana to right, and you have Bruce and left. Uh, you know, Hanniger needs a day, you just Bruce and left, Santana and right. Um, you know, Vogelbach needs a day, Encarnacion needs a day, Bruce goes and plays the infield. So I think there's a way that you can get Bruce and Santana four games a week. Um, and it's it, it gives them some flexibility. Uh but yeah, they need to play Jay Bruce enough that his trade value can, you know, improve. But they also need to have. Uh, they also need to see what Domingo Santana is, um, because if he's twenty, if he's twenty seventeen Domingo Santana, he's going to get you significantly more than Jay Bruce will. And at that stage, you just eat some Jay Bruce money so that you can get a really good prospect or something back for uh, Santana. So I, it'll, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how that works itself out. Um, you know, I think, I think maybe Jay Bruce is. I guess Santana's probably the fourth outfielder if you really want to put a label on it, mm-hmm. um, just because he's like he's got a little more versatility, whereas Jay Bruce is really just kind of a bat at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, the utility spot, we'll see how they go with the utility. If they go with Negron, um, versus more, that could change things as well. So I don't know. I, I pretty much agree with you though. I think Santana should get a majority of the time, but Bruce will also get plenty of opportunity. So, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of how I see that one playing out. All right. So as we promised you guys, that was a really quick outfield uh, addition. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but I don't think they're going to sign uh, Bryce Harper. So that's <laughs> that's that's probably going to be the Mariners outfield uh, when they go to Japan, um, barring some kind of uh, signing we haven't seen yet. Um, and I really don't think we'll see a signing unless you see an Edwin and Encarnacion trade. Uh, so I, I think the outfield we discuss is what, what it's going to be barring an injury. So, uh, that, that's going to wrap up the, uh, our preview section next week. We'll probably dive into, uh, either the starting rotation or the bullpen, um, a lot more intrigue, uh, certainly in the bullpen than in the outfield. But, uh, for now, let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's answer some of your guys' questions. So, uh, Let's let's lead off with an old friend, old contributor to the website, uh, Dan Clark from down in Australia. Dan, how you doing? How's the kids? How's the wife? Uh, hope you're loving life down there. He wants <laughs> to know, uh, who do we see having a higher war this season? D. Gordon, Kyle Seeger, or Jay Bruce? 
And he also wants to know who is the best chance of getting uh, who who gets the most back in a trade um, among those three. So I guess let's start with the first part of the question, uh, Ty. D. Gordon, Kyle Seeger, Jay Bruce, who has the higher war in 2019? I think um, just because of defensive value, I think Kyle Seeger is going to uh, be that guy. Um, just because we, you know, obviously the bat, um, the bat is a mystery with with right. Seager. You know, will he bounce back uh, at the plate? But you know that he's going to um, still be one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball, and that's going to raise his WAR quite a bit. So I'm going to go with Seager just because of all of the three players that that Dan mentions. He's the one that there's at least one for sure thing about him that's positive. Yeah. Be, because D, you don't know about defensively. You don't know if he's going to go back to the to the gold glove, you know, second base player that, that he was a few years ago, or if he's going to be more, you know, about league average as he was last year. Of course, he was dealing with injury. And also, you know, switching from center field back to second base uh, didn't help either. Uh, and as for Jay Bruce, I just, even if he has a good year at the plate, I can't see him because of uh, of uh, the lack of defense. You know, if he's going to be DHing, if he's going to be playing first base, et cetera, that's going to hurt his defensive war a lot. That's also going to drag his overall war uh, down quite a bit. Um so yeah, I be- I I believe it'll be Seager. Yeah, I with think maybe the off chance that it's D. Right. I I think uh I would tend to agree. I think ranking the likelihood, I would say Seager D and then Bruce is a pretty distant third. Um and like you mentioned, it's partly because Bruce isn't a defender anymore, at least not a good one. Um but it's also because War is a a cumulative stat. Um and I don't know Jay Bruce Bruce certainly isn't going to play as much as Seager or Gordon. Um, at least it would be very surprising if he did. Um, and like you mentioned, Gordon probably gives you some value base running. Um, uh, and defensively, and Seager is going to hit for power at the very least, and he's going to play solid defense. Uh, so, yeah, I would say Seager is probably the, the, best, uh, the best bet there out of that group uh, in terms of war. Um, I also do find it interesting that uh, you mentioned injury and all three players uh, dealing with injury. And ironically, both Kyle Seager and D Gordon had broken big toes, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah. um, so that's weird. Um, certainly that would affect, uh, especially a player like D who relies on his speed and all that stuff. I would imagine that would be, uh, that would have played a quite, quite a role in what happened last year. So um, I would still say Seager, but I think it's possible uh, because we saw a healthy D Gordon at the beginning of last year, and he was still a very good player. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I would say Seager um, as well. And then uh, the second part of Dan's question, he wants to know uh, who has the best chance of getting the most back in a trade. Um, so, Ty, who do you think the Mariners can get the most for? I would also say Seager, because third base is a prime position on the market. Um mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of opportunities to get a good, you know, veteran third baseman with above average defense, um, Gold Glove caliber defense on most nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I think if if Seager gets back into that two forty five, two fifty range batting average wise, starts getting on base, at, you know, a three twenty, three thirty clip somewhere around there. I think, uh, you know, and, and pair that with, with the defense and his contract starting to dwindle down. I don't know if he'll be able to be traded this year, mid season. Um, I think that's more of a, of a 2020 thing. Uh, but I think of the three players, just at any point in time, Seager will likely get you the most. Yeah, I tend to agree. There's also the versatility. He's played in at least 154 games every year since 2012. Now, we talked about the t- the power it's going to be 
you know, mid 20 home runs. The defense is going to be solid. Um, even if Seager just gets back to his 2017 numbers, which was uh, 249, 323, 450 with 27 home runs, uh, that, that was good for a 3.6 F4. That's going to have a lot of value on the market. Um, maybe not a lot, but it'll have more than certainly Jay Bruce. Um, and probably more than D Gordon simply because D is a speed guy who is, uh, in his thirties now. Um, and typically speed is the one, uh, tool that deteriorates as you age, um, uh, at least more rapidly than the others. So, uh, I would say Kyle Seeger, if it, if I wanted to make an argument for D Gordon, I guess I would use that. He's a little more versatile. You can play him at second. You could play him at short. You could stick him in the outfield. Um, and that has value to teams midseason. Um, but I, I, w- I would agree. I would say Kyle Seeger is probably going to get you the most back. And I don't really think any of the three get you anything uh, like significant in terms of prospects. Although uh, the Kyle Seeger uh, trade comp is probably Evan Longoria. And that netted the, uh, the Rays a pretty good player in, uh, was it Christian Arroyo? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, Didn't I think they also a- get Duffy in the deal. I think they might have gotten Duffy, and I think they got a... Oh, it was the Matt Moore deal. Oh, that was the Matt Moore deal? Yeah. All right. They got... I want to say they got two minor leaguers, uh, pitchers, and then they also got Arroyo, who was a bottom-of-the-top 100 type of prospect. I don't think they can get that for Seager, but they could probably get something pretty close, um, especially if you rebound. So I would say Kyle Seager as well. All right. uh, Thanks for the question, Dan. Next, let's move ahead to... uh, Nick Anderson uh, on Twitter. He wants to uh, know if we have any bold predictions and who's most likely to bounce back. Uh, I I think we're probably going to end up doing a bold predictions uh, series on the website. Um, So I don't want to give too much away there, but Ty, do you maybe have a bold prediction or a bounce back candidate? Uh, Bold prediction. Hmm. I'm going to say Kyle Lewis is going to make his major league debut and I think he'll, do well. That certainly is bold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, a lot of people have given up on Kyle Lewis. I, I, I have him, you know, I had him low in my, my individual uh, prospect ranks um, when we were going through the process of that. Um, but I, I still, I still think he has a ton of potential. And I think, um, he may make his debut by the end of the year, and if if so, I I wouldn't be surprised if he actually uh, just suddenly hit well as a major league level. Sometimes that happens. I know it's crazy, but that's what I think. I just that's a weird feeling that I have. Nothing to base it off of. Yeah, that's kind of what a bold prediction is, anyway. Uh, yeah, bounce back candidate. Um. You know, we just talked about him, Kyle Seager. I really, I really think that he, he's, uh, if he stays healthy, I, th- I think things will come together at the plate. Um, I still think he's, you know, he's a solid player. He's still relatively young, um, all things considered. You know, he feels kind of like the old man on the team, and he, and he kind of is now, with uh, the direction that they've gone, but. Uh, I still think there's uh, there's a lot left in the tank for for Seager, and I, and I think he'll he'll get back on the horse this year. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess uh, for me, bold prediction would be um, I don't know. Uh, the Mariners send four representatives to the All Star Game in July. Uh, I'll go with Hanager. Uh, I'll go Hanager, Encarnacion. Um, Malik Smith and uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so they'll send those four. No, uh, Marco. Like, uh, no. Marco's not sexy enough. <laughs> um, and then I mean, uh, Jason Vargas made an all-star team once, right? That is accurate. So yeah, I don't know. I I'll just say four. Um. I, I think we feel pretty good about Hanniger at least. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he said bold, so I went bold. Um, most likely to bounce back. I kind of agree with you that it is Seager, but just to throw a different name out there, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that. Uh, uh, God, no. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that uh, Domingo Santana is the most likely to bounce back. Um, you know, I know we haven't seen him in a Mariners uniform, uh, but his 2017 was really freaking good, guys. Um, and he's still 26 years old. Uh, you know, he didn't get a lot of playing time last year. He was hurt. Uh, I, th- I think he's a good candidate to, to bounce back. So I'll, I'll go Domingo Santana um, and kind of cheat there because I, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think Nick's really asking which Mariner from last year is most likely to bounce back. Well, there's not a lot of them left from last year. So, <laughs> I mean, and you said Kyle Seeger, so I just wanted to be different. Um, so I'll say yeah. Domingo Santana. For sure. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's jump over to uh, – Josh, who I, I think might win question of the day if we, you know, had such a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a really interesting question. He says, like the shift, utilizing an opener and hitting your best batter in the two hole, what trend do you see taking over baseball next? So, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a really difficult question. Um, so, Ty, did you come up with an answer? Uh not really, but but I do have a, a, a kind of a different answer to this. Other than the shift, not a lot of teams have gone towards those trends. Only a few teams have adapted. You know, the hitting your best hitter in the two hole. Only a couple have have adapted to utilizing an opener, um, and it's also not for every team. But I think before you see another trend take over baseball i think you'll just see more teams go towards embrace the trends you mentioned right um because yeah i i i I don't know you know i'm trying to think about different trends that you know or different ideas that i've read about and, and have thought about I don't know. You kind of just have to to see what happens during the year and what works for certain teams and then kind of analyze it from that perspective because really it's hard to gauge what what actual teams are picking up on and what right certain certain organiz you know what ideas certain organizations respect and which ones they completely throw away. Sure. I mean, I think some of the other trends that aren't listed here um, that have happened recently in baseball uh, certainly talk about things like spin rate analysis. Yeah, That's certainly come up big. We've talked about um, velocity training, how these pitchers are going from 89 miles an hour to 93, 94, seemingly in an offseason. Um, so I think those are different trends that are we're talking about training and all that stuff. Um for me, there's two trends, uh, and I, I don't know if they're – one of them is most definitely going to be a trend, and it's already started. And the other one, I don't know for sure. It's just kind of something – just an eye test thing for me. And I guess I'll start there. One of the trends I would like to see is I would like to see a team really invest in determining how much base running is worth. Because, um, you know, we, we ha- getting better and better at analyzing uh, fielding. Uh, we're really good already at analyzing hitting with exit velocity and things like that. Um, we have a ton of pitching, uh, pitching statistics we can look up and spin rate, and we're really getting more advanced in these metrics. And base running kind of feels forgotten to me. Um, and maybe teams have already done this and they've determined it's worth X, it's worth whatever. Um, but I, I certainly don't see it, and I think there's some value to be had in in analyzing base running and deciding how much is it really worth. Uh, if it's worth more than you think, then you could maybe find a market inefficiency with these teams who are looking for power, power, power. Maybe you can find uh, a way to win with really good base running. And if it's not worth as much as, as you think, I mean, then, you know, you know, so um, I think base running is a good place to look. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's going to be the next trend, but a trend that is certainly happening already uh, is uh, players who both hit and pitch. Uh, we saw uh, that in Shohei yeah. Otani. Uh, the Rays are drafted and trying to develop Brendan McKay in that uh, mold. We've heard talk that Matt Davidson is going to try that. Uh, the Mariners, they brought in 
what Caleb Cowart for like three weeks when under the idea that they would try that. Um, so I think you're going to see that more and more. Um, I don't think you're going to see a league full of Otanis, um, but I think it's something that more and more teams will, they'll look at and they'll think about developing. Uh, it just with the roster crunch as it is right now, it, it seems like there's real value in having a one player on the roster who can do both pretty well. So I think that's probably the next trend, um, which honestly, it makes sense because you look at every other level of baseball that's played the pitcher hitter combo is everywhere. I mean, the pitcher only role is like virtually non-existent at any level anymore, except for professional baseball. So, um, I think you'll see it at least until, at least until rosters expand. Um, it makes sense. I, the DH doesn't really make a difference one way or the other, uh, honestly in this case. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the next trend or certainly the biggest trend that you'll notice is the, uh, the hitter pitcher combos. Um, like they won't all be as good as Shohei Otani, but I think you'll see a lot of teams try it and I think it's got value. So I understand why teams are willing to try it. So I would say those two, the base running thing, and especially the, uh, the guys who pitch and hit. Yeah. I think also, you know, you'll see, um, the injection of, of more te- technology, especially within the game, uh, as the game is going on. Um, I believe some teams had tablets in the dugout last year. Yeah, Major League yeah. Baseball threw a fit. Yeah, um, but I think I think you might see more of that over the next few years. Um, mm-hmm. I think you might see uh, some some rules put in place where where teams can uh, can analyze film mid game on the tablet kind of how you know NFL teams uh, do um, so you know, I think that would be big for for pitchers and pitcher development and strategy um, so yeah I, I think you could see more technology implemented into the game uh, especially as the game goes on. Yeah, isn't it kind of wild that like when you go out to talk to your pitcher, you can't bring out a tablet and be like, "Hey, look at your arm drag here." Is you know what I mean? Like, isn't that yeah. kind of weird that you can't do that? Like, why not? You're gonna tell him the same thing anyways. You might as well be able to show him. Yeah, and I think that might especially help guys like Kikuchu come over from Japan, um, or anybody who has a hard time speaking English. Like, I I think that could help uh, actually. So. I don't know. That that feels like kind of weird that you can't do it already, but uh, maybe someday in the future, if baseball ever gets off this high horse where they still think they're like the most relevant game in the world, you're not. Um, but we'll see. I, I think that would be a really good idea. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, thanks for the question there, uh, Josh. I guess now we'll jump over to uh, Jordan. Jordan asked a lot of questions. We appreciate it. One of these days I'm going to learn how to say your name. I'm going with Levitt again. I, sorry. <laughs> um, he wants to know uh, who within the Mariners organization would you personally like to uh, room with at spring training? It's an interesting <laughs> question. So I guess there's a lot of ways to look at this. Like, what do you want in a roommate? Do you want the fun guy? Do you want the clean guy? Do you want the quiet guy? And keep in mind as we answer this, we're speculating completely on these guys' uh, personalities. <laughs> I mean, we only know about them, what they want to share with us. So, I mean, we're guessing on this, but uh, I, I think it's a fun question. So, Ty, who would you want to room with at spring training? The first name that popped into my head was Wade LeBlanc. Interesting. Why? Uh, just seems like a chill dude. Probably wouldn't get into your personal space probably be a fun guy you could have a beer with from time to time i don't know plus you know he's married he's got kids so he's i mean he's probably he knows like you know bound like you said boundaries he probably keeps a pretty clean space yeah um so yeah i I think leblanc's that's an interesting one um because last night when we got this question i was thinking i was like i don't know do i want because i feel like most people their immediate answer would be d gordon right he's a fun guy Mm -hmm. Uh, really entertaining. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that'd be cool to hang out with. Do I really want to live with him? Uh, 
I don't know, man. So, <laughs> I mean, Mitch Haniger would be cool, but he's so driven and focused. I, I don't know. Can you, like, is he going to chill or is he going to be just constantly working? You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, for me personally, I, I think it would be cool. And I don't know if this is actually my official answer, but I was really thinking last night about Daniel Vogelbach. Uh, we could oh, chow down on some. Yeah, you could bow, you, you could chow down on some pizza, uh, you know. I, but I mean, you know, you can hang out. Uh, I, I think Vogelbach would be a good hang and a good roommate. Uh, Ryan Healy is another guy. Just kind of seems like a bro to me, you know. Um, so, but I, I don't know if that's my official answer because honestly, I'm not much of a partier. Um, uh, and I, I think Keeley might be too much of a partier, um, to be my roommate at least. Uh, you know, Seeger's interesting again, he's got the wife and the kids. Um, so he's, you know, probably a pretty responsible roommate and all that stuff, but also no offense to Kyle, pretty boring. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's a really, it's a really difficult question. Um, but I, I don't know, man, that's, that's a really tough question. I guess I would say. Hmm. Gosh, I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I would also say maybe Malik's. Malik's would Malik's, be fun. Yeah, Malik seems like a pretty cool guy. Can I can I pick Jerry Depoto because apparently he's a very good chef. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. So yeah, I'm gonna. How about how about this grouping? I want Jerry. I want to live in the same like condo with Jerry Depoto. All right, give me. So I'll take Depoto. I'll take. Um... Give me Narvaez. I'm really intrigued by Narvaez. I, I you know based on everything I've heard and read about him, he's a really really smart guy, and he. Uh... I, I don't know. I feel some kind of weird connection with Narvaez, I guess. So I'll take Depoto, Narvaez, and then give me uh, D. Gordon to kind of just wrap the whole thing up. Um, but now, actually, I'm kind of thinking Marco Gonzalez. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I like your Wade LeBlanc answer and how it was quick and clean, and I definitely overanalyze this. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say Jerry Depoto. Like, but then you know, Edwin Encarnacion would probably be a lot of fun. Um, now nah, I, I I'll stick with Jerry I guess I don't know. <laughs> Good question. All right, and finally to wrap up the uh, the episode, we have Derek. Uh, he he wants to know uh, who are the two prospects that get playing time with the Mariners first and when. So the first two prospects to get called up and when will we see them? Um. Okay. I know one, uh, Eric Swanson, and he might actually be with the team as they go to Japan mm-hmm. probably as an extra pitcher at least um, sure. as they they have the uh, rosters extended to to 28 for that series um let's see another prospect um probably either JP Crawford or Justice Sheffield maybe Shedlong Depending on if there's an injury to to Kyle Seager or D Gordon, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Swanson's probably the first guy. Um, I think there's a really good shot they take him to Japan, um, just kind of as that extra arm. Um, uh, as for the second one. I don't know. It's tough because there's not a lot of like obvious. Like if some, I'm trying to think like who gets hurt and who fills in for them, and guys on the forty man. And I'm just not a hundred percent sure on all of that. I think because I don't think they're going to call up JP Crawford until you know the six weeks or whatever. Right. Like I just, I just don't think that's going to happen at all. So even with an injury, I think they'd BS their way around calling him up. Um, so I'm going to go with another reliever and I'm going to go with, I don't, does Ruben Alaniz count as a, uh, as a prospect? I mean, oh, he, he, I hasn't made his, he hasn't made his big league debut yet. Yeah, sure. 
mean, him or Dylan Moore, I guess, probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. That's Oh, that's... actually, you know what? I, I think I know the I think it's going to be Eric Swanson, and then I think it's going to be Matt Festa. Um, two bullpen guys. If you want a non-bullpen guy and a non-cheater's like answer, I guess I'd probably go Justice Sheffield. Um, yeah, I think Festa probably starts the year in the bullpen. Well, and I yeah. think Swanson probably does as well. Um, as for after the uh, the Japan series, like I still think it's probably going to end up being Swanson. Is probably the first guy. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll go Swanson, and then I'll go uh, Matt Festa, who technically is still a prospect. So I'll take those two, mainly because I think they start the year with the Mariners in Japan. So yeah, yeah, I'd go those two. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So that's all the questions we have. Thanks for sending those in, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're always open. Uh, to for more questions so if you ever think of something in the middle of the week and you don't want us to forget just uh, send the question to us uh, at sotomojo fs on twitter you can also find us on facebook and instagram uh, send us your questions for that uh, thanks for listening guys uh, visit the website sotomojo.com uh, we're publishing our uh, top 30 mariners prospect series right now uh, the numbers 30 through 26 went out yesterday i am currently working uh my way through through uh 25 through 21 uh that'll probably be out later today on uh what is today wednesday mm-hmm. when we're recording this so that'll probably be out uh ty's got an article up about the uh the fan graphs rankings uh so be sure you guys check that out uh subscribe to the podcast like comment whatever you want to do uh and ty do you have anything you want to say before we wrap this up uh i mean man we're we're a week away so Mm -hmm. i'm uh i'm just excited i'm very excited you know it's a lot has happened over the last few months and um this team is going to look a lot different and we've been talking about it and we've been expecting it and now it's pretty much here and um, there's a little bit of anxiety because of that, but there's also uh, a lot of excitement, and and uh, I'm I'm just I'm I'm ready to get things going and and see how how everything progresses from here. And it's going to be a very exciting uh, spring training with, um, you know, you think about all the young guys that are that are you know have been invited uh, to participate and. Yeah, it's 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 going to be something. Yep, I tend to agree. It's going to be a fun spring training to watch. Um, so thank, thanks, you guys, for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Like I said, be sure to visit the website, sotomojo.com. You can find us on Twitter, at sotomojofs. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, like I said, we love to hear from you guys, so feel free to send any questions or anything like that. Uh, our way so thanks for listening guys we will catch you next time and i will see you in another life peace